This is the Statman Sports Podcast, where we keep topics in context. This is your host, Steve Duffus, who is still wondering why the Seahawks didn't run the ball. Ah, it's a beautiful day to talk sports, baby. Welcome to episode number 41 of the Statman Sports Podcast. This is your host, Steve Duffus. We are back. We are back, guys. We took a break. We needed this break. We needed to recharge. We needed to get it together. I hope everybody's having an amazing summer. Man, it is hot outside. Wherever you are, I know. I'm on the Eastern time, so I know. It is hot over here. The other day, man, the weather was ridiculous. It's like 100 degrees. I hope everybody's staying hydrated. Oh, man. We have so much to talk about this summer even though not all the sports that we watch are on you know right now we always complain especially me i'm saying like god there's only baseball going on but guess what sports is always something nice to talk about always something good to talk about but before we get into all that guys i want to thank everyone that's been showing their support if you're here for the first time thank you from wherever you're tuning in itunes spotify google play wherever any platform this podcast on i'm sure the statman sports podcast is on there so you're wondering what are we talking about today well we charged up like i said and there's a few things i i want to touch on a few numbers we want to go over yeah i'm a few hot topics that have been circulating these past couple weeks everybody who's into the nba know the nba free agency people are still getting signed all the big players are signed already so we need to look forward to the NBA season well the two early NBA season season doesn't start in November so but we're still going to talk about that Russell Westbrook James Harden teamed up together so how's that going to work I also want to talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame and the inductees this year and a person that I've always been griping about for the past like 10 years that needs to be in the Hall of Fame we're going to talk about that and much more so with no further ado, let's just get right into it. But what are you talking about, bro? Huh? What are you talking about, man? Woo! What? <laughs> bro, what are you talking about, man? Alright, so if you're really, really, really into sports, you know that the summer belongs to baseball. Baseball is a long season, 162 games. So most of us, if we're not really baseball fans, but you keep up with the sport, you start watching baseball around right now. Because now it's when the players really get into it. You know, teams start to shorten their rotations, you know, start to, you know, get things together for them to make it in the postseason. But we also know every year are the inductees to the Hall of Fame. That's something I want to touch on. That's what I want to start with. Because it's quite interesting how every year there are some people who are that, in my estimation, are questionable to be on the Hall of Fame ballot to actually get into the Hall of Fame. And I have a hard time looking at these names. But this year, you know, the lineup seems pretty decent. But let me make a disclaimer here, okay? And this is something I've been doing even before this podcast started, even before Twitter was even what it is now. I used to do this on Facebook back in college, something I used to cry about. And something I'm still going to cry about till it happens. Baseball Hall of Fame. Why is Barry Bonds not in the Hall of Fame? I repeat that one more time. 
why is Barry Bonds not in the Hall of Fame? But after, after, after I explain and go over some of these numbers of the inductees that went into the Hall of Fame, I want to tell you guys why I cry about this every single season. If you don't keep up with the numbers, that's what I'm here for. I'm all about the numbers in correlation with how these men has played the game of baseball. But let's start, let's start with the men that was inducted this year into the Hall of Fame. Let's just begin with my man. He's always been the closer for the Yankees. I'm not a Yankee fan, but I admired Mariano Rivera. If you don't know, he's the first time ever unanimous, unanimous entry into the Hall of Fame. Before Mariano Rivera was Ken Griffey Jr., in 2016, he had 99.3% of the votes. Mariano Rivera got 100%. If you want to know how dominant Mariano was, it's a closer. Okay? This is Mariano just in the playoffs. He had 96 appearances. He went 8-1. and one. He had an ERA of .7. And he had 42 saves. Is he the best closer of all time? Man, this is not even this this is one of those greatest of all time discussion that's not even a discussion. Cause once we talk about who's the best closer in baseball, everybody's thinking about, well, it's that guy from the Yankees, even if they don't know the name. That's how great Mariano Rivera was. Okay, that's just the playoffs. Okay. Mariano finished with six hundred and fifty two saves. Hit adjusted ERA. Is the best of all time. If you guys don't know what an adjusted ERA is, is where they adjust your pitching. They do this as well for the, for for batters, where they adjust your pitching, but more so for the pitchers. They adjust your your pitching based on the ballpark you're in and other bar other ballparks you pitched in. So they adjust your ERA accordingly. Mariano Rivera has the best ERA of all time, adjusted ERA. Mariano Rivera. Best of all time. I mean, this no-brainer. He had to be in the Hall of Fame. Had to be. That man was amazing. The Yankees had a lead. The game was won. Once Mariano came in, it was over. Man, so he's well-deserved in the Hall of Fame, man. Then we move on to Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay, his numbers, they, they weren't all that amazing in comparison to other pitchers in the Hall of Fame. Okay, Roy Halladay won 203 games. But guess what? In a span from 2002 to 2011, Roy Halladay went 170 and 75 with a 2.97 ERA. And in that same span, per nine innings, so pretty much a game, for every game within a span of 2002 and 2011, he walked one and a half batters. Per one and a half per nine innings. Okay? That's how ridiculous Roy Halladay was. Between 2008 and 2010, Roy Halladay had nine complete games. And he had eight in 2011. Last year, the entire MLB had a total of five complete games. Roy Halladay got into the Hall of Fame. Well-deserved. Just, just listen to those numbers, man. In, in, in three years, man, he had... Nine complete games and eight in one season? That's utter dominance. Then we move on to Mike Mussina. For those of you younger listeners, Mike Mussina, he wasn't he wasn't considered 
the best baseball player. And that's always been the argument against him. But I have a newsflash for a lot of people who want to claim this the best. Not all the pitchers were the best in their era. And that doesn't mean because you're not the best doesn't mean you don't deserve the accolades or you don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Because if that was the case, then there should only be like two people in the Hall of Fame. Or three, depending on your sport. Mike Mussino won 270 games. He won 20 games in his last season. In his 18th and final season, he won 20 games. This man had seven gold gloves. His WHR is 23rd all time. I don't know when you guys started watching baseball. I've been so I've been watching baseball for about I would say what I'm 33 now, going on 34. I've been watching baseball. I would say for sure for 27 years. And you know how many pitches I've seen pitch? How many pitches that I consider great? And Mike Mussina, he was very consistent. 23rd all time, his WHR. 23rd all time. Just think about that. That's how ridiculous Mike Mussina was. His consistency is rewarded. And in a, in a baseball hall of fame, which by the way, to many is considered one of the toughest hall of fames to get into. <clears throat> Aside from <coughs> the NBA. <coughs> yeah, I'm not coughing, but that's just purposely doing that. The NBA need to uh, reevaluate who gets into the hall of fame. But by the way, speaking about that, I, I know I'm deviating, but I'm going to get back to the point. We should have an actual NBA hall of fame and a basketball hall of fame. Some people may not like that, but it's kind of, Nowadays, I mean, as long as you touch your basketball and you do semi-decent, you'll get into the Hall of Fame. Look, the other day, they were actually discussing if Andre Iguodala should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's going to be based on the standards we have right now, but that's what I admire about baseball. I mean, it takes you a long time to get in the Hall, the NFL as well. They just don't put you in there just because you did well. You had to be, you had to be top, top of the ladder. You had to be top-notch. You had to be amazing. At, at something or at multiple things at your position. And baseball, that's the case. But Mike Messina was consistent for 18 years. And he deserved, rightfully so, to be in this year's inductees for a Hall of Fame. And let's move on to my favorite guy. My favorite guy, I watched him a lot when he plays for the Seattle Mariners. No, we're not talking about Ken Griffey Jr. Because Ken Griffey Jr. was... Inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2016. And by the way, he has the most amazing swing of all time. The most beautiful swing ever. For those of you listeners who don't know who Ken Griffey is. That's why YouTube exists. If you didn't know who he is, go go YouTube him right now as you listen to this. But my favorite inductee this year is Edgar Martinez. To me, he had the most ridiculous statistics of all time. <laughs> And I'm going to read off to you while I was doing some research and while I was taking notes to try to share this knowledge with you guys about this 2019 Baseball Hall of Fame. Okay. Edgar Martinez, first of all, he was a DH. So you don't get to bat as much as long as you play the When you play the National League teams, you don't get to bat as Well, actually, when you do play the National League teams is when you get to bat. But he mostly played DH. Edgar Martinez, his batting average was 312. Derek Jeter is his 310. He had two batting titles. Edgar Martinez, all right? He had a 418 career on base percentage. He led the league in on base percentage three times. And he topped the 400 mark 
11 times, nine times in a row. That's how great and consistent. I don't throw that word great around too much, but that's how good Edgar Martinez was when he was at the plate. Nine times in a row, you top 400 on base percentage. That and this and this one is the most ridiculous stat of all. Baseball, by the way, before we read off this stat, baseball, by the way, is the is a sport that is played as a team. But the individual statistics wear more so to your greatness than any other sport. And I'll tell you why. Because it doesn't matter how good the pitcher might pitch, Clayton Kershaw. It doesn't matter how good you pitch. But if your lineup doesn't give you run support, most likely you're going to get an L on your record. So yes, it's all dependent on other teammates. But you as an individual have to perform, obviously. For your team to be successful in certain areas. Okay. Edgar Martinez. From 1995 to 2001. This was his numbers. His batting average was 321. His on-base percentage was 446. And his slugging was 574. He averaged in that span 28 home runs, 42 doubles, 110 RBIs. With a un with an OPS plus of 164. Let me put that into perspective, okay? Vladimir Guerrero, Jose Altuve, Robinson Cano never had an OPS of 164. Never. And these guys are considered one of the greatest hitters of all time. David Ortiz, by many considered the best DH of all time. He only topped 164 OPS once in his career. Once. Edgar Martinez was a machine. He was like Tony Gwynn, man. He was just like a machine. A machine. It's unbelievable how we don't appreciate these guys when they're playing. But after the fact, when they retire and they have to get inducted and we look up their numbers into the Hall of Fame and we realize... How blessed we have been. Especially those my age. And I know you younger kids are experiencing the guys now. Jock. Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Jose Altuve. You know, your, uh, Xander Bogart. You're experiencing all these guys. But man, during my time in the 90s, early 2000s. Man, they were batters galore, man. These dudes, they used to hit without gloves, man. They, it was just the bat and the hand and the pitcher. That's how great Edgar Martinez was, man. And and he was well deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. And then to find to round off the list, Harold Baines. Many people don't know who Harold Baines was, but they know who he is now. He's one of the commentators on ESPN, a very great analyst. He he's in the Hall of Fame, and this that's the one person that many people question. Harold, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sorry. I just have to do this, man. He had a 289 batting average, a 356, uh, a 356, sorry, a 356 on base percentage and a 465 slugging percentage. He had 384 home runs. That's a lot of home runs. He had 1,652 RBIs. He was good, man. He was really good. But there are other players who had these numbers as well. And the question was, and the rumors I have been reading preparing for this podcast, many people were saying, well, he had friends in high places. And these guys were on the committee. 
So maybe that's why he got in. I don't want to throw speculation on those things because I'm of the camp that if a man is in the Hall of Fame, it's because he deserved it. Of course, in any any sport, any position, there's politics. People play favorites. But in baseball, it's really hard to do that. The numbers speak for themselves. And if he's in the Hall of Fame, he deserved it. And then last but not least, Lee Smith, who played for my Chicago Cubs. It was way before my time, but I did my research on him. Just, just for you guys to know how good of a closer this man was. We all know Mariano, who was inducted this year. We talked about him already. He's the greatest closer of all time. That's not a debate. But Lee Smith was so great. Let me put this in perspective as well. Arolis Chapman. He only inherited, for his career, 77 batters. Craig Krimber only inherited 15 batters. Lee Smith in- inherited batters. I mean batters on base when he came in to pitch to close out an inning. He inherited 561 batters. And he pitched on average, by the end of his career, he pitched less than an inning on average. And he closed them out. In 1997, he he retired with the most saves of all time. Look how long it took for people to break that record. That's how great Lee Smith was. And he was also one of those names on the list that was also debate whether he should be in the Hall of Fame. But like I say, again, the numbers speak for themselves. And as a Cub fan, yes, he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. So I'm glad Lee Smith in the Hall of Fame. And I want to congratulate all these men. If you missed it, you can go back and rewind it and listen to it again. But here are the names. Mariano Rivera, Roy Halladay, Mike Mussina, Edgar Martinez, Harold Baines, and Lee Smith. The 2019 Baseball Hall of Fame inductees. And they're shrined in there forever. So I want to transition this next segment into the what's happening in the NBA and what's going to transpire for the next season. I know... I know we're in July and many things still need to happen. Players, some players, you know, they're, they're still on vacation. Some are, some are obviously still working out. We don't know what's going to happen with injuries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But for the, sake of, for the sake of argument and for the sake of debate, there's something I need to address that many people, they just talked about it and they just in the surface just say, ah, it's not going to work. But I think it's something that we need to address. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you some numbers and talk about some numbers so you can understand why this really matters. We, there was a lot of player movement going on this past NBA season. Like I've said in the past episodes, or the previous episode, the episode before that, I can't remember, where I talked about this NBA offseason, 2019 NBA offseason might have been the greatest one of all time with all the money that's been spent and um, and all the player movements and all the, the power the players have to go to places they wanted to go. And um, we, we all know about Kawhi Leonard, the whole saga about, you know, him playing the Lakers and, and the Raptors and them complaining about, oh, how Kawhi made him wait too long. Hey, listen, man, players can do what they want. That's what they call free agents. They can wait as long as they want. They don't have to sign when you tell them you have to sign. That was the whole point of the, the, the bargain agreement, that players have a little bit more power. But that's not something I want to get into right now. The whole point I want to talk about is Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Everybody is saying on the surface, oh, this is not going to work because uh, James Harden needs the ball and Russell Westbrook needs the ball. They're two ball-dominant players. But nobody has even talked about this. 
Don't you think that maybe Russell Westbrook was doing everything he's doing because one A, he is a great all-time player, and one B, because Oklahoma City needed him to do that. Because I a lot of times in these discussions, a matter of fact, in discussions of talking about players of all time or which player can do what, people forget about systems. People forget about what systems allow you to do and what you can do. One of the most ridiculous things I keep hearing, even in the early years, that Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant's a selfish player. Man, there was a stretch in 2012 for like two months or two and a half months. Kobe Bryant was averaging like 12 assists a game. And you know why? It's not because Kobe Bryant couldn't pass the ball. It required him to do that. The situation Kobe Bryant was in required him to be the point guard for the Lakers when Mike D'Antoni was the coach. And Kobe Bryant, literally, he was averaging like 28 and 12. That's what Kobe Bryant was averaging for like two and a half months. So that's enough sample size for me to believe. As great as Kobe Bryant was, if if they let him do that for an entire season, Kobe Bryant can easily, easily average 28 and 10. Now, that doesn't take away from what what I'm saying right now, what Russell Westbrook is doing. Russell Westbrook has been the only player in the last like 50 years to average a triple-double in consecutive seasons behind Oscar Robertson. Do you guys realize how ridiculous that is? Matter of fact, you know how much harder that? It should be easier now in this era to put up those triple-doubles. And players are not doing it. And that, that leads me to ask the question, can they even do that? But that's how great Russell Westbrook is. Okay, this is Russell Westbrook on his own. On his own. Since James Harden left Oklahoma City. Eight-time All-Star, two-time scoring champ, two-time assist champ. One of the times he was in the scoring champ and the assist champ. The first time he averaged a triple-double. That same season, he won the MVP. 2008-2009, all-rookie. I mean, obviously, because uh, James was around. And he's a two-time All-Star game MVP. I know to a lot of people that don't matter, but that means something. Last season, Russell Westbrook averaged 23 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. He shot 43%, career low. He shot 29% from three, career low as well. He shot 65%, a career low as well. And he only had a PER of 21.1. A PER says, says a lot about how much impact you had. So last year, Russ's triple-doubles didn't have as much impact as it did the season before. Because this year, he had Paul George for an entire season. So it didn't... I wouldn't say on the surface it didn't mean much. They didn't have the impact or they didn't come at key moments at key times during games. So you look at the box score and something I always discuss with many people. You just don't look at a box score and think that's how the game went. A lot of times a box score doesn't tell the whole story. And that's why I am here. And that's what matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why I was so, you know, charged up when I wanted to do this podcast last year. Because I like to explain things. I just don't spew out the numbers just because they're numbers. You need to know how to explain them. That was Russell Westbrook's numbers, okay? So let, let, just, let's just look at this for a second. Let me move over to James Harden's numbers. This is James Harden without Russell Westbrook. Seven-time All-Star, two-time scoring champ, one-time assist champ in 2016-2017, six-time All-NBA. That's who James Harden was in the 2017-2018 MVP, and then he was the runner-up for MVP last year. He averaged 36.1 points per game. That's second highest scoring average since 1980, what, 86 with Michael Jordan? 
And behind Kobe Bryant in 2006, who averaged 35, he averaged 36 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Shot 42%. Shot 36 from 3-point range and shot 89% from the free throw line. He had a PER of 30.6. And a win share of 15. So, James Harden literally accounted by himself. Just 15. Just 15 Ws. By himself. And people are talking about how Westbrook and James Harden is not going to work out just because of their numerical numbers and how they play. Think about this. What I mentioned earlier in the segment. Mike D'Antoni's system. Everywhere he has been have been one of the highest scoring teams maybe ever. The Rockets possibly had the second highest offensive output of all time. Now, this is a statistic I cannot ignore and you shouldn't ignore either. James Harden has been number one in usage rate of all time last season. And Russell Westbrook, the season before, is second all time. So these guys had the ball in their hand a lot. So there is a legitimate question to be asked. Are they going to play well together? And I say, yes, it's going to play well together. You know why they will play well together? For the first time in, in uh, Russell Westbrook's career, He's going to have legitimate shooters. They cannot clog the lane anymore. Clint Capella is not Steven Adams. Clint Capella is not Kendrick Perkins. He's not a player that needs the ball on the block every time. He makes his living off of alley-oops and playing defense. Russell Westbrook is going to have the lane parted like the Red Sea. Defenses are going to have to make a choice. Are we going to let James Harden get 50? As a matter of fact, James Harden was getting 50 and 60 with... All defenses geared towards him. And now he's going to have Russell Westbrook bringing the ball up. Matter of fact, think further. Russell Westbrook, being the point guard, is going to carry the load. Some of the load for James Harden. So James Harden won't be shot anymore come playoff time. Has anybody thought about that? We all, including myself, talk about how James Harden doesn't come up big in playoff games. What I've seen lately, James is showing up. But James is just tired at the end of the games. Your legs are shot. Anybody that plays basketball, man. If you have to do everything on offense. If you're the number one ball handler. If the, you're the number one shot maker. If you're the number one uh, uh, space creator. That's who James Harden was for the Rockets the last couple years. You are going to be shot at end of games. And that's when you need your teammates help. Sounds to me like Lionel Messi. He does everything, but when he needs his teammates, sometimes they don't show up. But back to basketball. Russell Westbrook is going to carry some of the load. Russell Westbrook is a great point guard in a shooting guard body. Russell Westbrook is going to have shooters. And if I'm an opposing coach and I'm coaching the Houston and I'm after coach against the Houston Rockets, to be quite honest with you, I'll be up at night thinking about how am I going to do this. Because you can't stop two great players. Somebody's going to get theirs. And I think for the first time, for the first time, the numbers are really going to output what these players really are. Meaning, those triple doubles that Russell Westbrook averaged in OKC the last two seasons, they were out of necessity. They didn't have much. It was just him and who? Steven Adams? Really? Dennis Schroeder? Really? At one point, Victor Oladipo? 
who's now an Indiana Pacers. Look who James Harden had. He had him and a what? An old man, Chris Paul? And all the other guys on the Rockets know how to play their role. Russell, Rus- Russell ugh, excuse me. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is going to be inserted in for Chris Paul. A much younger player. A m- 10 times better than Chris Paul is right now. He can rebound. He can defend. He brings hustle. Hustle is contagious. It is going to be something that the Rockets are going to need. He's going to fit right in, man. These guys play defense when they want to. And now is their chance. Yes, we know the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The Utah Jazz are loaded. The Portland Trail Blazers are loaded. Everybody in the West seems to just be loaded. The Los Angeles Clippers are loaded. But the Houston Rockets has one thing that a lot of these teams don't have aside from the Utah Jazz, which is continuity. They're in a great system that allows them to score at will. And in this NBA, in this era, you need to score to win. And the Rockets do that better than anybody. Not just now, but of all time. They shoot the most three-pointers. That's their formula. Matter of fact, the Rockets, that's just based on analytics. They just outshoot you. They say, hey, if we take 43s, eventually we'll make 20. We'll make enough to beat you. And now you're going to have a guy that's going to create for himself and James Harden. And people are telling me that's not going to work because they're ball dominant. Somebody's going to have to give up something. Yes. But think about this as well. I am willing to give something up when I know somebody else on my team is up to my standard and up to my caliber of play and up to my level. And that's what James Harden and Russell Westbrook are. Aside from the fact that they're actual good friends. Have you ever played with your friend at the park? You know how it is. You share the load. You share the W's. I know many people have talked about this. But they only focus on the fact that, oh, these guys are ball dominant. Therefore, it's not going to work. My only concern is going to be. Does Mike D'Antoni is going to allow these guys to play their way? Or is Mike D'Antoni going to let them play the way he wants them to play? That's the key. You have a talent as great as Russell Westbrook. This man, one season, led the league in scoring and led the league in assists. Won the MVP. You have that type of caliber, all-time great uh, talent on your team as a point guard position. The clock is ticking, Houston Rockets. And I know, I know this is going to work. And teams are going to be scared. I can't wait for the NBA season to start. I'm counting down the days for October, the end of October, because I'm going to be watching a lot of Rockets games because I'm going to take a lot of numbers and a lot of analytics, and I hope these guys prove me wrong. Come on, James. Come on, Russell. Ah, we come to the end of episode number 41. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know. I didn't say what I wanted to say about Barry Bonds, and I'm going to take my time to do that right now really quickly. Guys, come on now, Baseball Hall of Fame. Seven-time MVP, 14-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glove, 12-time Silver Slugger, two-time batting title. Seven-time MVP, and he's not in the Hall of Fame? He has a 300 batting average and OPS of 182? The second best of all time? And he's not in the Hall of Fame? Are you guys serious right now? 
Oh, what are you going to tell me? Oh, he cheated because he took steroids? Man, listen here. Before 1990, before 1990, Barry Bonds already had three MVPs. He was averaging 312 batting average. He had a slugging percentage of like 970. How is he not in the Hall of Fame? There are people in the Hall of Fame that couldn't even put up that for the entire 15-year career. How is Barry Bonds not in the Hall of Fame? Get Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. Thank you guys for all your support. If you haven't subscribed yet, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Thank you for listening to my short rant. But for right now, Statman, signing out, baby. Thanks for listening to the Statman Sports Podcast. See you next time.